Jason, how you doing? Jason, where's the shot? Right. Where's the shot? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I that was a trick. <laughs> did, I, did I fail or pass the test? I think this is a fail. You, no, you won. You definitely won. <laughs> this this shot has a story. Let me tell you, you guys are lucky. You're lucky, guys. That this shot this don't come out for no riffraff. <laughs> is that the uh, the sense in the background there? That looks like you're, you're ready to start walking away there. That's yeah, nice. this is this is we're in the studio here. Yeah, oh, nice. nice. That's where the magic happens. This is where the magic happens. Yeah, <laughs> I tell my girlfriend that this is where I say what I say about this room. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit this bit out. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's working fine now, Jason. No problems from computer last night. We're all good. Good to go. Right. Good. We're suited and booted. I'm, I'm the only man that, <laughs> that get dressed up for this one by the looks of it. But it's all right. I'm not taking offence. I'm all, you know, I'm not better. Yeah, yeah. I'm dressed up from the waist down. You just can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so thanks very much for taking time out to come and chat to us as well, Jason. My pleasure. Yeah, how, how's things been going today? What you been up to the day? Anything exciting? Um, not nothing too exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm working on a bunch of label stuff um, for Razor and Tape. Finishing up some remixes that uh that that I got to do. Um, let me make that sound stop happening. Um, and uh, you know, just just normal sort of day here at uh in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's a little not as nice as it was yesterday. It was beautiful yesterday. It's a little gray today. Yeah, yeah it's, nice, it's nice over here in Africa. Let me tell you, it's sun's been beating down all day. <laughs> I feel like I'm in holiday. <laughs> now you've been keeping busy then, music projects, things like that. Then lots going on. Yeah, yeah, there's 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 a ton going on. I mean, between razor and tape and um and my own production stuff and now with things starting to open up a bit and gigs are coming in a little bit, there's yeah, I'm, I'm I I seem to be pretty busy. I think it's going to be a fun summer. Yeah, yeah. We're loving razor and tape, loving the label, see the stuff that you guys put out on that. I think I was seeing that last night before you kind of cut off on us for a bit. Yeah. Of no, loving the label what you guys are pushing on there. It's phenomenal just the standard and the it's that warmth about the sound and everything, the effort you guys go to. We're just huge fans over here, that's for sure. What, what have you got coming up then? Can, we, can you tease us with some releases? I can, for sure, yeah. Um, I, and I appreciate those kind words. Um, well, so our the next thing that is coming out, actually I think maybe came out, just just started appearing on stores this week, is the Bionis System record, which has remixes from Jimster and on one side uh, and on the other side remixes that I and Diogo Strauss, Brazilian producer, right. uh, made. Um, Bionis System is a Brazilian band, very pretty big, current uh, sort of poppy Brazilian band. Yep. And we got connected with them through Diogo, who we've done some other work with on the label. And he brought this project to us and it's um, pretty exciting. Uh, it's a great song. Uh, the original version features a couple of uh, a couple of like Brazilian legends, Antonio Carlos and Jacafi. Um, so it was super fun to work on that. Diogo and I kind of passed the project back and forth during lockdown, and Jim Stewart did his version, beautiful sort of percussive, uh, balearic kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nice one. Lots going on. Lots going on. Uh, who are some of the artists that's on the label, Jason? Who are some of the uh, kind of top artists on there? Um, well, I mean, we've had we've had so many at this point. We're actually going to hit our hundredth release this summer between all of our, our different uh, imprints. Cause we've got razor and tape, razor and tape reserve and razor and tape 45. Well, but I mean, just to name a few, um, you know, we've, we've had stuff from Dimitri from Paris. Oh no, sorry. Dimitri from Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we've had, we had, I mean, our early releases were late night, tough guy, Dimitri from Brooklyn, um, Ron bass jam, lovebirds. 
We've had stuff from Fook and Junction. Uh, we had edits from Mr. K, Danny Crivet on there. Um, and more recently, some of the original stuff that we've had. Um, let's see. Well, we've got another, we've got a release coming up, a remix EP of uh, Midnight Magic's classic song, Beam Me Up, with some new remixes on there by Prince Thomas, Kim Ann Foxman, and each other. Um, uh, who else? Jeez, now I'm drawing a blank. Um, yeah, one, one, one of my uh, favorite tracks, actually, I play this pretty much. Yeah, John time. plays this I one. Do one enough is, uh, is it Koi, like it is? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's, that's uh, a great track. I, I call them COEO, but maybe we weren't sure, you know, we weren't sure yeah. either. What the idea? Yeah. <laughs> we were going to ask you, but obviously we don't know. Yeah, those, those guys are from uh, from Germany, um, and that's a yeah, they, that's a really nice record. Um, that's that, people love that one. Yeah, there's a great Fela edit on there too. How, how did that one come about? If you if you don't mind me asking, what was the kind of process behind that one? Yeah, yeah. so those guys um, those guys had actually sent us. Um, a pile of, of things they had done, um, a huge folder. And, and at the time, Aaron and I were, were super busy um, and we didn't get around to it until late. And actually there was a couple that were in there that ended up coming out, some of their, some of their big, big tracks that came out on some other labels who mm-hmm. remained nameless, strictly because Aaron and I were, were too, too slow to get to it. Um, oh. They sent it to us, but, but they're, you know, they, at this point, fortunately now, you know, with, with where we're at as a label, people do send us, uh, their demos and, and some some really nice artists you know would want to release on the label and we um, were fortunate to have people like COEO sending us great music like that mm-hmm. yeah. Well, how, yeah. The, uh, how did the label get started and how long has it been going for now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we we started, I believe we launched in 2000, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron and I had just known each other for a short while at that time. Um, he, Aaron's originally from Brooklyn and um, I'm in Brooklyn. I've been in Brooklyn for, for many years, um, almost 25 years now. And uh, he had left, he'd moved to Chicago and then he'd come back to New York. And at that time I had just started to kind of put out some, some reworks and edits on SoundCloud. And SoundCloud was a kind of a cool community then of people doing similar things like that and sharing music. And, yeah. and um, Aaron and I kind of met, that through SoundCloud, you know, as if it was like, um, you know, Tinder for, for DJ bros or something. And, um, we, we got connected and, and ended up linking up and, and our tastes were really similar and Aaron doesn't produce, but he's a great DJ. He's been DJing for many years. And we started playing a little gig together, a re- little regular gig at this crappy little bar in the East village. And, um, and he had these edits that he had gotten, he had, he had produced a bunch of parties in Miami and Chicago and other places. Yeah. And um, some of the artists who had come had like Ron Bass Jam and, and Lovebirds had had actually given them him some of their personal edits that they had made for their DJ sets. Mm-hmm. So he had these things that he was sitting on and I had a bunch of these ones that I was working on. And we decided to kind of just get together and um, start a label and get it out, you know, sort of very DIY uh, underground white label style. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, what you guys have grown into is phenomenal, very inspirational. We really enjoy listening to the music. Always looking forward to the new releases coming out on it, without a doubt. Thank uh, you. Yeah, we were just discussing this last night as well. It's very, very eclectic as well. You don't seem yeah. to like kind of pigeonhole yourself into like one specific genre. It seems to be quite open and quite free with the style yeah. of music you're putting out there. Feel freedom yeah, to it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the one, uh, the one, strain through everything that we do is just if, if it's something that Aaron and I both love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, and we both have pretty wild, wide musical tastes and, um, 
you know, we obviously we started more as like an edits label and, and we've grown to become, you know, we're trying really now to to do a lot more original music and yeah. and use the profile that we've built up over the years to to bring some new music into the scene. And, um, you know, it could be anything really. And we you know, if it's something that we would like to play in our sets, great. If it's something that we would just like to listen to, yeah. that's also great. And we hope people, you know, like are into it for use, you know, come to this music for different reasons and, and, um, and, and different experiences. So, yeah. 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 You're a busy, a busy man. That's for sure, Jason. Cause you do a lot of work with Glitterbox, a lot of work with uh, Dave Lee over at Zed Records and stuff as well. You, do, do you ever sleep? You any time you sleep over there in the, in that <laughs> yeah. man cave? I don't, I don't sleep that much to be yeah. honest with you. I <laughs> no, wish I, I slept more. Um, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, I have, a, I, I always have a lot of things cooking. Um, I think I somehow, thrive on that chaos a little bit it helps me just you know it allows me to always have something new to work on if i get stuck with one thing i just move over to something else and and, yeah, yeah. and have a lot of things project that i'm always juggling at once um but yeah the work with dave lee has been you know really amazing i mean some of the people that i get to work with now if you had told me you know 10 years ago you'd have to you'd have to pinch me or something because <laughs> it just it's it's pretty pretty great to to be colleagues with some folks like that yeah, but um yeah. Yeah, I just signed a couple more tracks to Glitterbox, so those will be coming out at some point. Um, yeah, I worked on a lot of original music over lockdown. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Glitterbox is doing as well is just so inspiring, isn't it? What what they've created and what the, the influence they've created on everybody within the scene and the excitement, and they've kind of set things up for a good five to ten years to come. I think at least of just a, an exciting forward-moving scene, haven't they? It's just really inspirational. You're glad to be a part of what they're doing then. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that they've done that have, have opened doors for other people and other labels. And I think brought awareness about a lot of different kinds of things, you know, the way that they embrace uh, just different elements of the history of dance music culture, like, yeah, you know, yeah. the fact that it's, it's, it really is began as a, as gay culture and, 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 and the influence of all the different, you know, people who have contributed to it. And they, they don't, you know, they, they bring that, to light in a way that's very inclusive to everyone yeah but yeah. um but but is real i think and so that's that's cool and i appreciate what they do around that and you know they, they get a lot of great music out there so yeah yeah absolutely you're definitely doing something right jason you're doing something right over there in the music room trying <laughs> trying try is, is how did it start for you like just going right back to the start then how did you first get into the music scene and producing music and djing and all that stuff yeah well i mean i i i before I ever was in club music at all, I, I started playing music as a, as a bass player uh, when I was 12 years old, um, a very, very long time ago. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I got, at the time I was into rock and classic rock and like heavy metal and stuff like that. And, and my musical path was kind of, I don't know, little probably unusual for most of the people who were in, in the club world because I, I went from there and, and got then from, you know, from seventies rock, it wasn't too far of a leap into like funk and mm -hmm. disco. You know, I think I started to get into music like that groove based music yeah, at that I mean, time. Yeah, when you listen yeah. back to a lot of the seventies stuff and you listen back to the seventies rock, you hear a lot of the elements of the New York influence and stuff and sure. the, string, the strings, especially ELO was on today and a lot of the British rock. Mm -hmm. You hear it now and it's actually, you can, there's a little sense of that in there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I mean, honestly, rock and disco and funk and soul, it's all African-American music, honestly, yeah, yeah. you know, at its, at its core. And it all comes from a similar kind of root yep. uh, or a similar seed and, and, and sort of, you know, t 
took different paths, but yeah, I, so I, I went there and then I studied jazz through college. Um, and, and it, you know, I mean, literally, I mean, I'd been to clubs, but I wasn't, I think I just became aware of the world of like DJing and clubs and stuff when I hit about 20, when I was about 20, 21, right yeah. about the time that I left school. Cause all through that, I was just, I had blinders on. I was just completely studying music, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Trying. I really thought that when I left college, I was going to be a jazz musician. That's what I thought my path was going to be. And that changed pretty soon after getting back. To yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I try to incorporate elements of all that stuff. I think somehow it's in, it's in my music to some extent or another, but definitely, but yeah. And at that point I kind of, I got into some bands and I started playing with, um, met the guys who, who, who I was in tortured soul with. I don't know if you guys are familiar with tortured soul, but that's a band that I used to play with. Um, right. we did, we used to play live live house music and um, we played all around the US and the UK too, played many Southport weekenders and and um, and we played the big chill, we played lots of festivals in the UK um, yep. and in, in the early two thousands. And we were we were doing doing quite well, playing in a lot of environments that never had live music really, you know, mm -hmm. much more DJ oriented because we would play a set of music from from start to finish with no stops, like 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 basically like a, a DJ set. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of what we did. And that was really the, the point in which I got immersed in like the world of club culture and, and DJing and stuff. I, I got really exposed to it because we would be on bills with huge DJs and, you know, and stuff like that. And that's where I started to really understand it and get into it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I didn't pick up DJing myself until about, about 2010, 2011. Yeah. That's interesting because it's working a lot better for you now because things have opened up again to a lot more live elements in the music, haven't they? People are a little bit more appreciative of those live elements. And I don't I know if people so. are just appreciating that more than what they had beforehand through the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's always been live elements incorporated. I'm, I was amazed. I was just listening. Defected just um, reissued like some Burrell Brothers stuff um, mm -hmm. from the 90s. And I was listening, checking it out when I was in the car yesterday. And I mean, like, you know, I think those elements have been there. I was amazed at how musical it was. And like, there was clearly someone involved in that project, whether it was those, those two brothers or, or some people that met musicians that they had in there. I mean, they were making very, really primitive kind of dance music, yeah, but yeah. It, it was super musical and like had, had jazzy elements and stuff in it too. And I think it's always been there, but I think you're right that people, you know, really, I mean, it, it the club world went in this direction of like, you know, one DJ on a stage with his hands in the air for so <laughs> yeah, long yeah. that it, that's, that's really pretty disconnected from like what the music is, right? Like it, it, yeah, part of it, there's no, if there's no DJ, unless there's, tr there's music to play. Right. And what is that music? It's like, it's like people who have spent the time and, and, and figured some of this stuff out and in some cases have vastly different musical backgrounds. And, yep. and I think people do appreciate that. i I don't know how to make music any other way. So like, I don't have a choice. I have to just do what I do. Um, but I do, I do get feedback from people. I think they appreciate some of that liveness and, and um, musicality and things. It just brings that little bit of a human touch to it, bringing it back. It's getting a little bit in the box for a while, wasn't it? And it just brings that kind of groove yeah. back to it. You get that kind of influence that people are jamming a little bit and ideas are getting passed back and forward. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah, being glued to the, to the computer too much, but, yeah. Yeah, in a, in a live setting, it's always exciting, you know, to, to see live music, especially when it's kind of fused with electronic music. Like, like people yeah. really, really get excited about that in in like a club space when they're any. I mean, you know, you see it even if there's a saxophone player or a, or a con well, 
maybe not a saxophone player, but you know, like what I'm saying, like sometimes like just, just having some live percussion, that's part of like a, a DJ night can be really exciting sometimes, you know? Yeah, it de- definitely adds a whole extra edge to the whole thing. You know, everybody always loves when there's a live element to a set or any live performance really. You know, I, I like watching DJs and I enjoy DJ sets, but it's different having that, that live music being played to you like on the spot, you know? Yeah. yeah. Two different things, but, but they work together for sure. It's funny you should say with the saxophone. Me and John, it was just before lockdown. It was we play in a, a kind of bar restaurant in Glasgow and Edinburgh. It's called the Ivy, and it's a nice kind of high end kind of bar setting. And there's also a saxophonist that will play with us. So if we're DJing, and there was a saxophonist come in and played alongside us. And uh, mm-hmm. see that the kind of it was just a bit of magic went to John. It was just something a bit special about it. it suited that setting really well. But it just it gave everybody a little something to go on, a little something extra than just us playing music. Yeah, I, I spent cool. half the time listening to the sax through the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Is yeah. that quiet? Is that quiet? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, it's it's always tricky because, like, you, you know, when you're a DJing, I, I think that live musicians who don't have any experience in, with the club side of things don't necessarily understand some of the subtleties of DJing and how, you yeah. know, you can't just, if you're a live musician playing with DJ, you can't just roll over the whole thing because then you lose all the dynamics that are, that's built into the music, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... But if you get the right player who kind of gets it and knows when to leave some space, it can be really cool. Yeah. 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 I think there's an art form to that. Just setting the mood, setting the, setting this, the sound. I think a lot of DJs go and they go all guns blazing a little bit and it's just trying to kind of, yeah, oh, yeah. It down, ease it in a little bit. But I think that's quite good. Like you say about the DJs playing to crowds that were 30, 40,000 people strong. I think that was getting a bit crazy, wasn't it? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I think when it gets to that level, as much as I love DJs, I think DJs should set the mood in the clubs. But when it comes to the stages, leave it to the, Maybe the live music to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't know. It's tough when it's. I think that it's. It, it's. You're. You're right. Like when you've got a DJ who's released reached that celebrity status to the point where they don't actually need to do anything. You know, they don't need to create the vibe. People are just there, ready to like party. You know, regardless, and they can actually pre-program their whole set. They don't need to think about the moment or like how to like fit the music into the environment. Yeah. The environment's there. It's like made for them. I think that takes away from things and it naturally just like, you know. Yeah, it's apparently that's done quite a lot with the celebrity DJs now. Everything's all pre-programmed, ready to go, you know. It's, like you say, it's taken away from that whole like being in the moment and reacting with the crowd and all that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I get it. Why not? It's almost like, you know, if you don't, if you don't have to work for it at all, then like, why not just, you know, yeah, put, pre-program it and just pour some drinks and stuff. Put on a, put on a funky <laughs> shirt. And, yeah. Put on a shirt and pretend to do something. Yeah. yeah just hold on to a knob, you know. <laughs> no, as it's really exciting times, we're really inspired, I think, and it's, it seems to be reaching throughout the world right now, the, the love for the more live-based music, because the amount of guests we've had on, and you can see where it's reaching out to, even to Mexico and Argentina and out to Australia and that just seems to be a real love and maybe through the, because of what's happened over the past year there's a love for uplifting music a little bit more because things were getting a little bit a bit of a downer over the past year weren't they so I think yeah. people have reached out for that little bit more uplifting music I think so yeah I mean I think that yeah people are definitely ready to just kind of like leave this this hellish year behind them and like you know I think music can help for sure like bring people back into the world. I mean, it's tough, you know, even now, I don't know exactly what the situation is in Scotland, but things are starting to open up here Mm -hmm. and it's great, but you know, we all have, we're all, we all have a little bit of trauma from this year. You know, we're not the same people that we were Mm -hmm. and like even going out just basic stuff, like, you know, basic kind of interaction and socializing and stuff. 
we all have to relearn it to a certain extent, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that music is a way, a way for people to kind of come together and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a healing kind of thing. And I think it's, it's important, really important right now. Yeah, it's going on that long. I think that it's become part of your nature, I think, because if anybody comes within two metres of me, I'm shouting across the, the street to them to get back, basically. Get back. I'm not the vaccine yet, get back. You know what I mean? But as it's strange, it's actually, it's gone so long that it's actually become a part of, kind of who you are a little bit, take a little bit to get past this, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Humans are very adaptable, you know? It's like, that's what we learned. We can adapt to all kinds of things, but then you have to unlearn that. It's like, we adapted to our, our situation, but now we have to get back to who we are. Yeah, yeah, you know, try yeah. it. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. done a lot. Musical help people reconnect to each other again as well, you know. Yeah, for sure, I think so. I might get to see John again soon. <laughs> not, on, not on Zoom. Yeah, you can look forward to that. <laughs> oh, we've got a gig in Friday, actually, John. So I'll see you then. Oh, you, nice. Even standing next to John feels a bit weird. I, I always have a two meter distance on those decks. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't want to talk to him, you can just put the mask back on. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, noise on to me. <laughs> I've tried that one a few times. <laughs> could you, could you um, talk to us a little bit about your production process as well, Jason? How do you normally kind of go yeah. about like making your tracks and things? Yeah, I mean, it's it. There's there's probably no one way that I do it. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes an idea starts just like literally on a voice memo while I'm walking around. If I pull this up, I you know. And there's like a, there's a horror, a, like just a, a litany of horrible ideas in here that I've started just like you know walking around on the street, just like singing something into the into the voice memo thing myself. But you know, every now and then, every now and then, one of them is decent. So yeah. like like if I go back through there, you could probably I probably have in there just like the the seed of of a bunch of different tracks that I've done that ended up getting turned into something for real. But like you know, sometimes it starts on the keyboard, just banging out some ideas. Oh. And sometimes it starts more just like in maybe I found some sounds that I or a sample or something that that inspired uh, a direction or something like that. But I would say that in general, I, I, I probably think harmonically and rhythmically first, you know, just like get a, like a little like chord groove going or maybe I just have a rhythm happening. And then I just kind of layer from there and I, and I mostly kind of work with the sounds, the few sounds that I have. And I, and I, I like to use things that I can touch. So I've got, you know, I've got a few keyboards over here. I've got a Wurlitzer, I've got a, a Moog, I've got a Juno, I've got a Profit. Is that a Mini um, Moog as well? Get the Mini Moog up there? Yeah, that's the, that's the Model D, Mini, Mini Moog Model D. That's yeah. a thing, that is a thing of beauty right there. I like that. It's quite nice, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I've got a few other things here. I've got a got an SH101. I got a base station, and um, and for the most part, like that is most of my like synthesizer palette. I mean, I do have soft synths, and every now and then, like you know, if I need some soft synth, like synth strings or something like that, or yeah, or uh, the one thing that I wish I had that I don't have even have space for is a, a real Rhodes. But um, yeah, oh wow. But um, you know, and then I and then I kind of just. I just work with the things that I have. A lot of times I, I, I hate to say it, but I recycle sounds, you know, I have certain things that I like and I know they work well. And, yeah. and I, at this point I kind of have a, you know, my, I, what I like to do is when I finish a project, I often make myself like a little sample pack from, from that project. Ah, really? and, I, and I have like, um, yeah, I'm like, I'm very organized with, with all of all of that stuff. And I have, um, like, so, so if I'm working on something new, I, I, I'll be like, you know what would sound good on that? Like the, the kick drum from that song would, would work, would work here. And I know exactly where to find it, you know? That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
Yeah, that is brilliant advice. So it helps speed up your workflow as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm all about like trying to yeah workflow stuff. I love that. Like anytime I can find like a new way to work that just makes things easier to get started or or stay in the creative mode instead of the technical mode. Yeah, yes, I, I love that. Yeah. That's brilliant advice because you can lose the spark quite quickly and the passion for it when you've got the idea. So and also kind of build a little bit of a sound. You'll find your sound in that way because you're not straying too far. And yeah, then, for sure. Your own sound. That's really interesting. That's some great advice. I'll take that on, John. Yeah, take it. Another <laughs> another little bit of advice along the same lines that I'll give you, which I can't always abide by myself, but is yeah. to try to stay in like try to leave the mixing for the end. I mean, obviously with electronic music, you're yeah, kind of yeah. always mixing as you go. You're selecting yeah, yeah. sounds that work with each other in a certain way, but like trying to stay, just trying to stay in that creative flow as, as long as you can and get as much of the creative information into a track before you start dealing with the technical stuff. You know what I mean? Cause once yeah. you get in the technical stuff, you're just, you can get in the weeds really quickly yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and you lose the inspiration and, most of the, the, like the, I would say some of the best things I've ever made were pretty much like 95% done in four to five hours, you know, mm -hmm. like, because if you can just keep yourself, sometimes you get lucky and you just, it just flows. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Don't start psyching yourself out by being like, Oh, but, but does it sound as good as uh, this one over here? And like, start comparing it with other things and be like, well, how do I get the whole thing to sound so nice and loud and in your face is no, that's later, you know, <laughs> yeah. Deal yeah, with yeah. that later. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah, definitely. My opinion. Have you got any advice, Jason, for like uh, kind of artists and stuff and aspiring now on the subject of advice, I guess, for people that are aspiring to, to get into maybe approaching labels, into music production, and yeah. just generally possibly even launch their own label if you, you guys started from scratch? Any advice for the guys out there? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think if you're shopping demos, um, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's tough. I and mean, we get so many demos and, uh, yeah, I think that I, I get, I get a little turned off when like, there's this like huge long bio and like, they're like, and I'm 16 years old and I've been doing like, don't tell me your age. I don't care. You know, like, <laughs> like, like, as a matter of fact, if you're too young, I don't, I don't even want to hear it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm old and I'm bitter, you know, what can I say? Uh, but, you can admit it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that like, I think a little bit of a personal message, you know, the, um, yeah, the other side of that is like, some people just like, don't bulk mail out demo and like, and like, and CC every other label that you're sending it to right there. Okay. Don't do that. Like, like, and if you're going to send it to a label, okay, this is good advice. Yep. If you have some tracks and you're like, you made this and you're like, I love razor and tape. I would love this to come out on razor and tape. Mm -hmm. We'll do this send it to razor and tape and be like, guys, I made these tracks. I, you don't know me from a hole in the wall, but I made them. I love your label. And I really think they would fit. Take a listen, but don't send them to every other label like razor and tape. Be patient. Wait, you know what I mean? Wait a week or two. Sometimes it takes us a while to get to demos. Yeah. Send a follow-up email. Say, Hey, just not sure if you saw these. I just wanted to make sure I only sent them to you guys because you're my number one pick. If it's not right for you or you don't have time, totally understand, but just let me know. And then, and then start shopping them to other places. Don't do the shotgun approach. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think that's the way to go. Yeah. I think, I think you should focus in on what you want. You know what I mean? Like set your goals and be a little patient. R recognize that like labels like razor and tape and toy tonics and these other ones in our same sort of sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Literally get like 
30 to 50 demos a day, you know, wow. okay. <laughs> very difficult to sort through them. Yeah. And, you know, like try to, I mean, I hate to say it, but like it, it, I need, there needs to be like, in, there needs to be contact information that needs to be intelligible, you know, like you gotta <laughs> maybe just a link, just appear in a link and not even a high. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> try to, I mean, actually, and a good thing to do is, is try to reach people on social media too. Don't just like shoot them an email with a demo with a link to to your SoundCloud or whatever. Like yeah, try yeah. to find somebody, try to strike a conversation with mm -hmm. them. You know, like yeah, I yeah. think going a little bit more personal with it is a better way to do it, and and being targeted and being patient. Yeah, yeah. for you guys as well. If you're getting you know, between thirty and fifty demos a day, that must be a lot of work for you guys to try and get through all those every every day as well or every week. Yeah, no, I mean we don't. That's yeah. the fact is yeah. we don't, we don't get through them. Uh, we have some help now, you know, we have a, a label manager and we have some interns who's, who have a good ear and we trust, and we have some people helping us sort through some of this stuff. And mm -hmm. so that when Aaron and I finally get to it, it's, you know, it's a list that's been sort of honed in and, yeah. and called down a bit, but um, yeah, it's the, and, and don't get discouraged either on that, in that sense too. If like, if you don't get a response, I mean, Cause, cause there's just so much music. I mean, I saw something like, I think 20,000 new songs get uploaded to Spotify every day. You know, wow, there's just so much music being made in this like world of electronic production. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so, okay. So into your other question, if no, you're not getting any label response and you want to just put it out yourself, you can do that, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but what I would do is, is, is kind of like get a plan and figure out like, okay, what am I trying to do here? Where does this fit? Like, it, am I just doing stuff that someone else is already doing? Like, do, what's the, what's the, what's the niche for what you're trying to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and maybe like, if you're going to start a label, I would have a few le releases lined up, ready to go when you launch, you know what I mean? And yeah. put a plan into place, like for, for some promotion, don't just like drop stuff on Bandcamp or just drop it on Juno. It's, it's, there's too much music that's getting released like that. Yeah. And yeah. If you can invest in doing vinyl. I would, I would suggest, and it's DJ oriented music, get it out on vinyl. It makes okay. a difference. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. 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 The vinyl does make that big difference. Yeah. I mean, just because like I said, so much music comes out digitally mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah. I think the commitment and obviously the financial investment that goes into vinyl mm -hmm. makes a difference. You know what I mean? Like for me, for example, if I go and want, I want to shop for some music, mm -hmm. um, I will most likely go to Juno Records first and look at what's coming out on vinyl okay. because at least that just sort of like limits the world of music a bit, you know? Yeah, if you yeah. go to like, if you just go to TrackSource or Juno Download or Beatport, I mean, it's insane. It's overwhelming, you know, how much music yeah, is coming out just strictly digitally. And I yeah. think that these days, because of that, people's musical memories is, are so short, you know? It's like, I mean, we, we are all, the, I'm sure you have music that you got from somewhere three weeks ago that's in your library. I know I do. And I don't remember what the hell it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I know what record I bought. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know the record that I bought because I sat there and I was like, do I want to spend $15 on this? Okay, yes, it's good enough. I'm going to spend the money on this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you yeah, buy yeah. the record, you remember it. Yeah. Yeah, you really make sure you part with that cash with something that you're really going to enjoy or you're really going to use for, for your sets, yeah. I think, don't you? And it's, and it gets in your, you know I mean? You pick it up, you touch it, it gets, you look at the cover, you, it all gets sort of like you, you, you take it in a different way. You know, you ingest yeah. it like, like yeah. 
in, in a different way. And I think that makes a difference. Now, that said, I know it's not everybody can afford to do vinyl. It's, it's, it's expensive if you don't have a partner who's helping you with those costs or anything like that. But if you can swing it, I think it's worth it. That's a way to like really show that you're getting behind your music and you're committed yeah. to it and you're, you're taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's good advice, yeah, because it's interesting that you say as well you're delegating some work out. I think that's a big thing in the new social media-driven world. People try and do too much on their own, and it's just it's impossible. And like there's that. I think it gives the impression that a lot's getting done on their own, but there's always a team behind people, the, the right team, the right members for the team, people that are trusted and are, all got good energy that are working together. And that counts for everything, doesn't it? I think there's a lot too many people maybe push, trying to push on their own. And pushing and just getting overwhelmed with it, I think, isn't it? I think it's get like you say, reach out to other labels and just network with people. The basics, yeah. isn't it? Network. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're we're expected to wear a lot of hats these days, you know. And um, I don't know, you guys are a bit younger than me, but like for me, you know, I'm I'm actually consider myself fortunate that I feel semi savvy with social media, but like yeah. it's certainly not my strength. Really, what I want to be doing is just making music, you yeah. know. So like, I need help. You know, I need people to help me with that side of things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the social media thing's pretty much a full-time gig in itself these days, you know, as soon as oh, yeah. uh, if, if it's not on social media, it's pretty much like nobody's really going to see it anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting as well, Jason, that you had mentioned how fast moving it is. I think social media creates this fast paced world of music that the next release, like you say, three, four five weeks ago seems to be forgotten about and everyone's chasing the next thing. But I think social media kind of creates that, kind of buzz and that energy that it's before you know everybody's wanting everything yesterday <laughs> before anything's yeah, happening. I mean, it's you know demos and things like that to labels they're expecting it to be answered as quick as they might answer a message but if they looked at the label there's about 10 people trying to get through things you know yeah mm. it's very it's 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 frustrating as an artist i mean as a label we always have new music coming we always have a new thing to talk about but as an artist you know it takes a lot of time and, and energy to develop new music and the second it's out, it's old. You know what I mean? Like the minute it's out, someone's like, well, that's good. I like your new, I like your new record. What else do you have coming? You're just like, but, but I just did that. Like, yeah. Save all the moment. Yeah, it's true. It's a mad world compared. You've probably seen both then going from the, the kind of the, the birth of the digital world, I guess, then and what it's like now. You must be seeing massive differences to what it was like before then. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, when I was in college, so I'm, I'm 44 years old. I'm going to be 45 this year. Um, when I was in college, <laughs> I, I took a class called Introduction to the Internet, um, <laughs> no. an actual college course. Uh, well, I did learn how to, how to write HTML code, which is, and I still know how to do that. So that has served me from time to time. But like to give you an idea, you know what I mean? But like if I had, if I had gone to college like a couple years earlier, I would have actually missed that. Uh-huh. And, and been totally playing catch up, you know, on this stuff my whole life, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, and like I have friends who are just a bit older than me for whom they just never got comfortable with social media stuff at all. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's wild. I mean, like, you know, like if you wanted to get people to come to your party, I, you guys might remember this too, or maybe they still do it. You had to like, print up flyers and someone mm-hmm. had to hand them out, you know, <laughs> like to people on the street, yeah. usually you. You know, like if you want someone to come to your gig, otherwise nobody knew about it. There was no way for them to know, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like when we were younger, me and John and my brother, we put on a, a party. God, we were just into high school. 
like a, a higher school, and it was a it was like a scout hall we hired out, wasn't it, John? And we were God, we were must have been about fourteen, and we I think we yeah. hand drew out those. No, we actually <laughs> drew the flyers and all that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's the way. Hand drawn. That was a personal touch, right there. I don't know how good those drawing skills were. It's like get the photocopy machine, you know, and like. <laughs> At Kinko's, whatever. It definitely worked because we had a packed scout hall, so it all worked in the end. Yeah. I'm sure they told us to turn the volume down, so it must have been going well. Honestly, I think that method would work again now. I think it's been far enough that people, it would be such a novelty to like receive. I mean, if you walked down the street and someone handed you a flyer for a gig and it looked like something cool that you would like, you'd be like, yeah. oh, what's that? Let me check that out, you know? I think it's been long enough that like it would, it would be such a novelty to like do it again that I think it actually- I can't even remember the last time that happened to me like somebody gave me a flyer like that's- yeah that's what I'm saying <laughs> I mean I remember you know things are even different than ten years ago it used to be Facebook right like you had to put your event on Facebook otherwise that that was where you generated all the interest for your stuff and now nobody gives a crap about Facebook <laughs> and like so the Instagram. Funny cycle is so fast too yeah, same yeah. thing it's like yeah, you'll yeah. you might not even you might miss something because like whatever however the algorithms work you don't even see the stuff you want to see mm-hmm. they're trying to sell you ads for like toothpaste or whatever and like you know crazy, yeah. i know we just need to go back to the back to nokia 5110s back to the basic mobile phones and let's oh, get classic. back to the, yeah the good you could text exactly. with your and, pocket, you know what I mean? Like you could like you knew where the thing was, like James Bond, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> totally. A good yeah. game of snake as well. Oh yeah, we're showing it each now. Classic. We went off on a bit of a tangent, so Jason, we tend to do this a little bit sometimes. <laughs> well, what's coming up for you next, Jason? What's on the on the agenda for you next? So we know you need to go shortly. Yeah, I do I need to do need to go in a minute. But um so well. Uh, I mean, I have some gigs this summer, which is amazing. Um, I've started a new party with a couple friends called Hot Honey Sundays. That's every Sunday in Brooklyn um, on the waterfront and in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, which is going to be a really, really fun party. Um, we've got some razor and tape stuff that we're doing on the rooftop of the Sultan Room in Bushwick. Um, and then I'm coming over for Defected Croatia in August. Yes. That, that is happening. And uh, it looks like I'll probably have some gigs in France and possibly Sweden on the way over. Um, Swing by, see Opolopo on the way. Yeah. I, yeah, I should reach out to him, actually. Um, <laughs> perhaps my, my other friends in Sweden are um, Dirty Two. Do you know those guys, Dirty Two? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's exciting times, actually. That's great. Great to hear yeah. that things are starting to get back to normal a little bit then. Yeah, yeah. And then just, I have a lot of music that I worked on over the, over the past year, which will be coming to light gradually, you know, in different ways. I have, um, have a track that's going to come on Big Love uh, this summer, which is um, uh, Seamus Haji's label, which is now part of the Defected group. Yeah, that's and, a great label. Great stuff. Yeah, and then um, uh, some music that I made with a friend of mine, Peter Matson, is coming out on Heist in October. Um, and then I will have an EP of my own solo stuff on razor and tape at some point, and then a glitter box track at some point. There's a lot of stuff. It's all happening. Yeah, I know I'm working like constantly, but Brilliant. you know, yeah. I think it's worth doing it just now because things are about to hopefully explode, aren't they? I think things are people are itching for the parties, and it's just it's it's looking. I don't want to jinx it. It's looking promising so far, though, isn't it? So hopefully that'll go yeah. to plan for you. Get yeah, you we're we're real fortunate here, you know, in in the U.S. and especially in New York. We've got some like 
competent people running the show now. Yep, and yep. Um, the whole vaccine rollout has been going great. And like, you know, yep, I yep, think yep. this summer has the potential to be a really, really nice summer in New York because it's opening up. People are happy to get back out. And I just yep, think yep. there'll be fewer tourists, which is actually kind of cool. It'll be interesting to see what New York is like with just mostly locals. You know, it's like bite, never bite, like bite, that. Bites breaking out left, right and center. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think Scotland was the same. It was interesting to see Scotland without tourists because usually it's the same. It's overloaded and you see and everyone's just like, just Scottish accents. It's, it's quite interesting to see. That. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be, it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it's like. But um, yeah. I think I it's going to come over to Scotland, nice. Jason. Come over to Scotland as well if you're ever over in the UK, swing up this I way. Scotland. I was, I was over there um, two Octobers ago for my good buddy Baz's uh, birthday. He lives in uh, Dundee. Uh, that's oh, yeah, bad. Yeah. Uh, Dickie Trisco. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, had a nice time in Scotland for sure. I love mm -hmm. Scotland. I've been there before too. I was in Edinburgh once a uh, very long time ago, 2005 or 2006. Yeah, Edinburgh's yeah. nice as well. Yeah. Yeah. Glasgow, Glasgow. Next time, Jason, you need to buy Glasgow. For sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> now we're not hang on to you too much. I was going to tell the viewers a story about this shirt, but I'm going to actually keep them waiting till the, for, the <laughs> next, for the next interview. End of the summer, I'm going to wear this in every interview this summer. It's the new thing. So you guys, if you're watching this, you have, you, there is a good story behind this shirt, but you have to wait till about September time before you hear it. So stay tuned. Yeah. Don't don't even wash it. Don't wash it. You know. And then I feel, it's like, I feel, I feel like it's looking at me though. I feel, I feel yeah. like it's looking at me. Yeah. In September, you just have to throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep, I'm sleeping in this tonight. <laughs> no, thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks for taking time to come on for a chat again. I'm glad it all worked out tonight, and it's a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank yeah, you. It was good chatting to you, Jason. Keep yeah. up the great work, man. All right, take care. All right, we'll do. Take care, you guys. Thanks, all right, be safe. Bye.